Hey everybody, welcome to Exo Squad Goals, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farantino. And on this episode, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 23, That Darn Martian Luck. The episode was written by Mark and Matthew Edens, the brothers tag team in this one. And uh, yeah, basically we dig deeper into the world of espionage and Exo Squad. Um, what do you guys think of this one up front? Uh, it's really sweet. Yeah, it's really nice. It's it's fun to be back on Mars full yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, yeah splitting our We're time. We're taking Mars, guys. It's it's on. Like, yeah, they gave up on Earth pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah once the uh, yeah. Raptors showed up. Yeah, I guess if you think about it, right? Like it goes Venus, Earth, Mars. Yeah, they just skip Earth. They're doing a bit of island hopping. It seems. Yeah, but um, so kind of thrown back to the last i think it was the last episode we get we start on mars as we were saying and uh we see our spy and he's like tracking like tank movements but a guy like spies him spying he glocks that dude but gets like hip checked by a freaking uh, purple frame and caught by another purple frame i'm glad you said that because i wrote i wrote hip checked oh yeah no it, it was like a darius casparitis like freaking <laughs> taking him into the bar it's Pro- dirty it was like bob probert yeah. Oh yeah, Proby took the uh took Marduk into the boards there, huh? <laughs> All the best NHL ninety four fighters. Oh hells yeah. <laughs> Yo, Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, he was my man. <laughs> Bring back the whale. <laughs> so the spy's named Marduk, if you haven't figured that out. Smash cut. Admiral How would they be... figured it out, Chris? There were no clues. You think you gave them no clues. <laughs> yeah. Well, much like the snowman, the clues were there. You could have saved her. Uh-huh. Uh, I still haven't seen that movie. I really want to. It's supposed to be really bad. The Michael Fassbender movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, apparently one of the worst reviewed movies of the year because it's supposed to be a great novel, but it's a serial killer, like Silence of the Lambs style movie, except when the guy kills his victims, he leaves decorative snowmen around the crime scene. <laughs> So th- there'll be parts apparently where someone's like, you know, they're washing their dishes and there's like a, you know, boom, like a big, like spy, you know, like shocking cue. And they look out the window and there's just like a snowman. So, yeah, That's, it, it didn't go over well as a serious crime thriller. It sounds so I'm so excited now. That's going to be awesome. It's already at theaters and I'm so sad. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be a killer like uh, digital rental. Oh, yeah. I'm going to own that on digital. Um, 100%. Totally worth it. So we smash cut back to the fleet and Admiral Winfield is going to send Able Squad and Baker Squad on a mission to Mars, kind of like what they did on Venus before the invasion. And he's like, well, we got two squads, but we only need one person to command. By the way, you're Commander JT Marsh now. Congratulations, Commander Marsh. Oh, yeah. Huge promotion. That big bump. Yeah. He, nothing really changes except another smash cut. Marsala and Nara are bumming around her. Nara's parents destroyed ass farm and she's just waxing poetic again which especially sucks after she's like ew Mars is gross Marsala let's go back to Venus and Marsala is so nice right he says he says to her perhaps I was lucky to be born without parents I can never lose them what a horrible thing she makes him say she made him say yeah now their their relationship is very dysfunctional at this point. It's very emotionally abusive to one side in particular. I want to at some point have a, a long, and by long I mean two minute, Nara Burns discussion. <laughs> I thought a lot about her today. Yeah. 
She's it's kind of like a Tony Soprano thing where like I really liked her in the beginning, but I like her less and less as the series progresses. Everyone kind of you kind of see the heart of everyone, but with her, it's you know, it's there's no subtext. It's just the text. And she's really kind of shitty about it in a lot of a lot of ways to the people around her. So but, well, so like she gets promoted. Yeah, she's yeah. so she's the new squad leader, which make which I guess makes sense because she's the next in line, although. I'd go for Torres or I, I literally wrote in my notes who would be a better squad leader, all caps, anyone, because I, I know from my perspective, I'm like, you know, OK, maybe Marsala is a little too cold. You know, Deleon's too specialized. Bronski is drunk. Kaz is the rookie. But you think like Torres would be. Isn't Maggie a lieutenant, too? I think so. Right. She might be. She'd be a good choice. Yeah, she'd be great. You know, she has like the uh, emotional maturity. But Yeah. And I guess Torres isn't an officer because she says she works for a living later, but but it's a pretty awesome line. Yeah. Um, but but then she gets in. She her like her frame is like a pink frame that she gets into. She's like apparently when you're the leader, you can't fly in a two person frame, which is a little weird. And I I, I honestly thought they were gonna give like a filler guy or something just to fill out Marcelo's frame, but it's like nope, he could just apparently do it all by himself. So she abandons him. Yeah. Um, well, they make a. They make a crack about her having to fly, uh, fly on her own and, you know, how everyone has to fly solo sometime. Well, this is it. I'm on my own. It was strange going solo after all this time. We must all be prepared to fly alone. But then I kind of got thinking about, like, do I just want her to be more authoritative because of her position and I should just accept her for who she is? You know, like, should I just be more accepting that that's just, like, she can be a fighter and the sensitive one, you know, because nobody else is. Or should I be upset that she's not more powerful in a way? How should I feel, Chris? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll say like... Fix it. <laughs> my, my big problem with her is that sort of... Like, uh, in this episode, Kaz gets a lot of moments where he kind of is the rational one. You know, so we're, we're, he shows like an arc of going from being the impetuous, like, you know... I'm going to go chase after Thrax to being like, hey, Bronski, cool it, you know, like, and with Nara, like, even with all the people that, like, keep dying around her and the death of her family and this, that, the other thing, she always has that, like, overt naivete. And it's like, she, you know, she never quite grows into the the leader that you'd sort of be like, oh, that's why she's the squad leader now, you know, because she's had that turn. She's hardened a little bit, but, you know, not completely. Yeah, I think I think that was my complaint was that there was no arc. It's that she hasn't changed one way or the other. Yeah, and almost everyone else has, you know? Yeah. JT's overtly had to deal with loss. Um, you know, Maggie and uh, Alec have their little story going on. Bronski and Kaz's relationship has changed. And Torres, I mean, Torres kind of playing. She's a bit of an archetype, but she's getting some business in this one. But Nara, for all the, the plot she gets, she never, she doesn't really grow uh, before this point, even though the brother and the family and you know and everything her teddy bear coming to life and trying to kill her that's a throwback (laughs) i might be off base too like what do you think ryan i feel like it's all i feel like she's also like like they can't be subtle about a lot of things like the dialogue can't be like super sophisticated so a lot of things that like could be just supposed to be like super melodramatic just wind up sounding kind of bitchy yeah, she she there's definitely a like a whininess to the way that she's written in a lot of times, which is unfortunate. 
Yeah. I think there's something to be said for the idea that she's like, she didn't really sign up for this. Like, she kind of just, like, went to, like, the Exo Squad to, like, get off of Venus. And, like, that kind of informs that. At the same time, though, she still shouldn't say things like that to Marsala ever. Like, that's super fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think that there's totally a space for her to feel her feelings. You know? No, definitely. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive of that idea. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like I want all these experiences to add up to something which is, like, making her, uh, you know, more of a disciplined leader. And not someone who just like clearly doesn't get <laughs> that she's complaining about something to someone who like will never ever have those things. Oh yeah, you well, know, like constantly. don't you hate when your Ferrari breaks down? Like, <laughs> well, you I've know, never had a Ferrari. <laughs> and I'm kind of hoping that in the role as squad leader, she kind of has to. It kind of forces her into the role of growing up a bit more. Because like in this one, she's immediately confronted with a. Uh, a crisis of character because they're doing a recon in force. Maggie's the squad leader for Abel squad. And there's a Kazari who's the Baker leader, which, you know, they're just uh, cannon fodder really when we get down to it. So they, they do a little scouting around, but it turns out that Marduk has uh, gotten in touch with the fleet message from exo fleet. JT, the spy Marduk. He's finally contacted exo fleet. So they set up shop inside a volcanic cave, which seems very unsafe. We get some primo fart jokes from uh, Kaz to Bronski. I think I'll sleep outside. Well, that'll take care of some of those poisonous gases. It's a pretty cool setup. It's, it's nice that they're kind of like, they're not just there and out. They're going to be set, set up in this place for like a little bit. You know, it feels like we're sort of back on the uh, campaign, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, there's a moment where uh, Marcellus tells JT that... Um, he needs to let Nara like lead a little bit. He can't do everything himself. Our first job was to locate that underground base, the one we were going after when Barker sold out to the Neos. Now I want you to. Shouldn't these orders come from the squad leader? Ah, uh, you're right. I'll fly recon with Kozari's squad. So my note there was maybe Marcella would be a better squad leader. Yes, <laughs> like anyone. That's actual leadership that he's demonstrating. But it's kind of great because they are in the cave and they're killing some time. We get some downtime, so like Torres has some good puns. Bronski is sweating his alcohol out. He and Kaz are left-handed arm wrestling. Yeah, what the fuck? That both characters are left-handed. That's what they bond over, man. It's a lefty club. <laughs> they, so anyway, they go on a patrol and they run into some uh, Neo-Sapiens and there's a firefight. You know, I'm sort of backtracking a little bit. Nera's frame gets its arm blown off and they're like, we're going to scrub the whole mission. But they're like, no, we got to get the spy man out. So uh, Marduk, which is, I think, a Mesopotamian god, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that checks out as far... No, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) As the pod's expert on Mesopotamian pantheons, uh, I'm going to (laughs) agree. I'm glad we had an early civilization expert on the pod, by the way. (laughs) So basically, they're going to go meet up with uh, Marduk at the... uh, these giant, this giant waterfall. Yeah, there's a waterfall on, on an otherwise deserted Mars. Right? It, it seems very out of place. And I kind of I kind of wish a little bit they had been like, you know, oh, the Falls of Ares, originally made to run blah, blah, blah. Because they do that sometimes, and it's always kind of awesome. But there, it's just the location. Yeah. So uh, Marduk shows up in his uh, hover car, and immediately he's just like, it's a trap! And then they blow up his car, and it doesn't kill him outright. no. The explosion throws him over the edge, and he has like a 30-second scream as he's falling it's to horrible. his death. It's really it's horrifying. His death, his death is really bad. 
I didn't expect that at all, and I was like, there's some still some horrifying deaths left, so way to go, Exo Squad, for giving me more nightmare fuel. But there's like a, there's like a ton of action in this for like a good five minutes. Oh yeah, they're just fighting. Yeah, no, there's some great fighting. There's actually a part that I. Uh, it's like a purple frame knocks out one of uh, Baker Squad's frame, or it might be this fight actually. And basically, the dramatic music ends, and it's just basically like the sounds of combat. And, uh, and then the music kicks back up, and I was like, "That's kind of a bold choice, like just relying on the sound design and uh, mixing for this combat scene with on a, on a you know a kids show when you get down to it." It was awesome. I really liked it. But yeah, there's an awesome fight. There's uh, Reynolds gets killed, the fake Dalian. Maggie uses chain lightning. It has no effect. Uh, Wolf Bronski, still drunk, flies through a waterfall and freaks the fuck out. We have team kid or- he really freaks out when he flies through the waterfall. It has no consequence on anything. Oh, yeah, no. Totally lost it. He, he flies, he goes, ah, ah. He's in, ah. He's in an E-frame that is able to fly from the ground through the atmosphere into space, withstand thousands of degrees of temperature, and yet a waterfall scares him maybe he peed himself jt goes to like save marsala because marsala was like the closest frame because he was the stealth guy to get uh try to pick up marduk except typhonis hits him with a missile so torres flies in and saves him but takes a hard hit and she goes down yeah dude and she hits her thrusters just at the right moment to break her fall but yeah her frame's like fucked you know jt is basically out of action he's like knocked out nara is you know she wants to go save torres but Kazari takes command since he's like the most senior officer left and is just like, we got to pull out. Cool bit of continuity here. Maggie throws like a grappling hook around JT's frame. And I like to think they did that so they couldn't salvage the uh, solar flare for themselves. But then they ditched the frame later and no one gives a shit. Part of me wonder was what if JT was real, like what his body would look like. He's been <laughs> shot so many times. Like, Oh yeah, no, he's uh, well, Simbaka man. He's like, he's all just lumpy burnt flesh at this point. <laughs> I've been I've been hit with a few bolts, but I don't walk with a limp. And <laughs> <laughs> never forget, Simbaka ripped a piece of concrete out of the ground and used it as a club. So fuck that dude up, yeah, man. It only makes him stronger. Yeah, yeah. Shockingly, that wasn't one of the most horrifying deaths. Like I was thinking, we'd get like a head exploding at that point. Jeez, they're getting chased. They cut through a cave. You know, kind of like uh, Tie Fighters chasing the Millennium Falcon and Jedi. Delian's like, psych. This is EMP. They all crash and burn, and they kind of regroup a little bit. Now, here's where it gets fun. They get back to base, and Nara's like, holy shit, what happened? And everyone's like, you know, where's Torres? And it's like, we lost Torres. Like, they think she's totally fucking dead. Oh, yeah. Smash cut. Torres's frame, like a Phaeton style frame, like lands next to it. And she's like, she's crawled out, but she's like in a bad way. Then someone squirts ketchup on his windshield, trips him up. Kind of just fucks with him generally, throws some flares, and Torres is saved by mysterious figures. So, though we get to see awesome windshield wipers from that frame, which is great. Then he like pieces out because he's like, fuck this. What do you think about these mysterious figures that we see? The hidden figures? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I know who they are, so um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I think that's going to go into next episode, but yeah, there's is that before or after Bronski goes on a well, that's actually before. <laughs> it's right before because then he goes, he goes, so Wolf and Kaz are like, fuck it, we're going to go get Torres. Ignoring orders, they just shut off the radios. And they, when they get there, all they see is like a blown up frame and no Torres. And they just basically take her black box and it's like, she's gone. 
And then Bronski goes on a murder spree. He's just like he's chasing yeah. down like fleeing E-frames and just like killing them. And like, you know, that's the point where Kaz is like, dude, like stay frosty. We don't want the whole like garrison after us, <laughs> which is kind of amazing because we get again, we get finally get a glimpse of the psycho that he is. Yeah, that was pretty pretty messed up yeah what he did he went on a killing spree yeah no it's like it's not all, it's not all right yeah no that like clearly one of the like y wings is just flying away like trying to get away and he just like he's like hold on and he chases him down and shoots him and it's like oh shit <laughs> he's he's uh he's lost it but then we uh we get to see what happens to torres and it turns out those Weird silhouettes that saved her are Exoscout Troop 119 reporting for duty, sir. Scamps Ahoy! The Exoscouts are here. <laughs> what do you think of the introduction of uh, a bunch of young scamps in their scampy little scamp frames? Um, a lot of questions, but um, I think I think they're interesting. I think it's an interesting dynamic. Imagining like kids being stuck on this planet for at least two years. Um. <laughs> how they're getting by, where they're finding food. They have a lot, of, a lot of questions, but I think it's interesting, and I think it kind of sets up an interesting dynamic in the next episode. Yeah, no, for real. Which is, you know, Torres being the sort of surrogate yeah. parent to these... That's sergeant mom to you. Terrible kids. Yeah, fucking awful yeah, kids. Yeah, she really... She goes hard quickly to sergeant mom, which I like. Yeah. Her major dad and, uh... I don't know. Mr. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Suburban commando. Um... That's a gem. Any thoughts about the episode, guys? One thing that it definitely occurred to me as soon as we met the Exoscouts is that it's really twisted that those kids have holes drilled in the back of their heads because that's how you run Exoframes. <laughs> what kind of waiver do you got to sign when you join the Exoscouts to get that right, done? Whose parents are like, oh, yeah, so he's got to be here Tuesdays from 5 to 8. And, oh, yeah, we're going to drill a hole in the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just sign this. sign this form. And uh, yeah, you got to be cool with overnight trips uh, once every quarter. And we're going to tap directly into your central nervous system and hook it up to a machine. <laughs> you know, how's that conversation go with, you know, little Stephanie's like, well, rabbit had a hole drilled in the back of his neck. I don't understand why I can't get my navel pierced. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if like in the future, all children's hobbies are like neural are like neurally connected. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, Toby's have violin lessons. Better plug your brain into the violin. Like, <laughs> it's just how they do it in the future. It, it makes no sound, but it plays in your head. Right. <laughs> uh, you see, now when you, just, when you said that, I just had this image of like a bunch of high schoolers with their like neural jacks all jacked into each other and drinking. And one person gets drunk and everyone feels it. And just all the... I don't know how this works. It's not like, a, you know, plugging a cable into a speaker, but... I'm sure See, I, I picture that. Yeah, I picture that not working as soon as one high school boy says, let's jack into each other. <laughs> and just it's over. It just that. OK, guys, future's done. Future's canceled. What were you, you and your friends doing? We were just jacking it. Just jacking it. <laughs> oh, man. We go to Exoscouts and we jack it. <laughs> I'm trying to be in the Exoscouts, mom. Got a jacket. <laughs> Um, were, you, were you jacking it, getting jacked? <laughs> What's going on? Are you jacked yet? I mean, everyone's oh, got to plug in that Wires. same time. Wires, the way of the future. <laughs> wave of the future. Wave of the future. Wave of the future. Wave of the future. They do, they do kind of imply, though, that like the normal people life of the Terrans is like this William Gibson-esque like 
like uh like mega sprawl so it's like not absurd oh yeah like like just a bunch of street samurais with their decks just jacking into the mainframes and fighting some black ice yeah just jacking in man jacking (laughs) in all the time is there anything you wish that we had gotten extra in this episode like any scene or like or anything that you think they could have done without i would like to know anything about baker squad literally anything (laughs) Here's the thing. After the last episode, <laughs> I, when they introduced Kazari, I was like, oh, cool. But then I thought of like DeSoto and how I like was like, oh, cool, a new commander. And then she immediately got killed. Yeah, I'm with Ryan on that one. I would be interesting to see anybody else in the Terran army. It's like you're going to be in charge of Baker squad and Al- and and uh, and Able squad. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to be with Able squad. Uh, Baker squad, do your thing. Like, just get it done. I thought he was going to be like, we have a baker squad <laughs> this whole time. Here's the depressing part. How many we, times we've been doing every single mission that's ever been required. You just have a whole squad just waiting by. <laughs> but here's what's depressing to me. How many times has baker squad been rebuilt? Because like we had what expendable and disposable squads. So D&E. So they had they, they must have just been rebuilt. They got decimated. So now we're going back to baker because they must have just Re, you know refurbished so yeah it's kind of a if you think about it too hard it's kind of a grim glimpse into uh into how fucked up everything is with them because they lose they lose everyone basically yeah there's like a weird like Battlestar galactica kind of thing where you'd like to see like the other like the civilians in the fleet if they exist where you assume they're replenishing <laughs> the uh people from um, something else I'd also like to see is, is the bones of all the children that those children had to eat to stay alive. <laughs> Exoscout Troop 119. What are all those bones? We don't like to talk about it. There were a thousand of us. Yeah, there were 119 of us. Now they're five. <laughs> the strongest five. <laughs> and rabbit. But Yep. Poor, poor rabbit. But yeah, overall, really good episode. Really enjoyed it. I, I, yeah. I would definitely like to see. I, I will say, I would have liked to see the scene where Marsh is throwing out who he thinks should be like, because he's like, I and I just I have just the person in mind, and I just want him to be like Marsala, and when feels like no, uh, Bronski, no, uh, am I getting warm? Closer, Nara, perfect. Okay, go. <laughs> You've got to go by the rank, JT. Yeah. It's not just who you like the most, who has the most fearsome teddy bear. And what's narrow again? A lieutenant, just like you. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Does that mean JT's just really bad at his job in the end? <laughs> like, or is Nara just really good? Why is there no captain? <laughs> <laughs> They're all what in. happened to the captain, JT? Where is the captain, JT? Where is he? One of our listeners has a question. John Ferrier had two actually excellent questions, but... We're going to do one for this episode, and we're going to save one because I think, think it's more pertinent to the next episode. He asks us, right. if the three of you podcast hosts had to choose a base location for your own resistance group during the Neo-Sapien occupation, where would you go in light of the horrifying volcanic hell that they chose to be theirs? I'm thinking mm. a the top of a an abandoned skyscraper in Detroit. You got great sight lines, and, you know, live that high life while you can. Tefana City. <laughs> yeah, it's Typhon City. I would definitely set up shop in like a hip Spanish hotel in downtown Miami. Currently, Shiva's Earth headquarters. I think that would be like a cool place to plan the resistance. Um, well, I've heard a lot about the sunrise on Venus. So 
I probably want just maybe on top of a mesa. <laughs> the Venusian mesa. At an abandoned Apple store on top of a Venusian mesa. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I want my resistance planning to take place. <laughs> That's a, a clean, clean, nice building. I would set up my resistance headquarters like on the beach in Hawaii and then immediately resign as head of the resistance and just hope that nobody comes and checks it out. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of lay low. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I'm scouting a new base location. You've been there yeah. for like three months. Uh, you know, just making sure no one comes here. Yeah, man. Yo, you ever had poi? It's awesome. Uh, no, uh, no word on the base, though. I would find a Build-A-Bear in the southern hemisphere of Mars. <laughs> Do you think there's a, like, a Neo-Sapien Build-A-Bear kind of thing where it's like people would go and they'd be like, they'd be like, what do you want from your Neo-Sapien? What kind of painting do you want on his head? And then they just build them and it's like, oh, no reproductive organs for you. But that's super they fucked up. They don't have kids, right, though, right? Yeah, no. They, like, right. they, they, they come out as adults. Yeah. In yeah, they come out as like 30-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Really polite 30-year-olds. I've done nothing with my life. <laughs> that's rather easily manipulated into slavery. <laughs> They they all come out with like a vague regret of having studied the liberal arts. <laughs> I have a memory. Was I a Spanish major? I can think why, but I yeah, like, I don't understand. I can't do why. I feel like I'm doing good in the mechanic core, but Lucian is constantly posting inspirational memes. I feel like he is doing better. <laughs> this neoliberalism. <laughs> literally. I guess it's neo-fascism, literally. Yeah. Marduk is a neoliberalist. Oh yeah, yeah. He took, he was a he majored in the neoliberal arts. Um, yeah. <laughs> he got a nice gig as a land surveyor right out of college and was like, or, or right out of the tubes and was like, I'll just do this for a couple of years and it just became his career for a long time. And he's like, <laughs> well, I'm here, you know, I'll write my plays on the side. So yeah, that's who he is. I do before before we wrap it up though, I do really want to talk about how intense the like. The, the Admiral Winfield character rundown is of Avery Butler in this episode. I once asked Captain Avery Butler what was the hardest thing about commanding a jump troop platoon. He said a platoon leader sends a personal message to the family of every trooper lost in action. That's the hardest thing. With the Neos in control of the Earth, there's no way to contact the families. But Avery Butler still records the message. A lot of people have died under his command. And he's had to record a lot of messages that will never be read. <laughs> There's like an iPod mini in his like bunk with a lot of really sad messages on it. One thing that fascinates me is are the sort of like hidden implications of things like that. That like you kind of get it intuitively, but until you really think about it, you, you don't realize how horrible it is. Yeah, right. But there's I feel like there's a lot of things in movies and TV where you're like, it's all it's only until later that you realize how <laughs> How terrible the implications of that thing was. Well, you know, we, we had made a off air. We made a, a joke about like, do you think all the, you know, like, how do they know what size like E-frame they're going to give the exoscouts? And it's like, oh, they probably have like uh, an average height, like a genetically enforced average height. And then you start thinking about it. And it's like, well, they did genetically engineer a slave race. So I wouldn't put it past future Terrans to do something really fucked up like eugenics like that just out of convenience. You know, like that whole society is fucked when we get down to it. 
super fucked. You know what's not fucked? MVPs. MVPs. <laughs> I think we have started waiting for the music. We, we kind of have. It's kind of great. Actually, it makes my job way easier. It's almost exactly every time. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say that my MVP is Bronski in this episode. Because he is constantly, he's flying drunk the whole episode. He's like sweating and like uncomfortable in his own skin. He's like, you know, he freaks out when he flies through like a waterfall. He goes on a murder rampage. He's like peak Bronski in this episode. So he's my MVP. He is definitely killing this episode. I'm going to give it to Avery Butler for recording an untold number of messages to dead soldiers that will never be read. Yeah, that would have been a cool thing to see in the episode or to see more of Avery Butler. Um, yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes the tags don't line up with the episode, so you get someone who's just not in the episode at all. <laughs> you're like, who? Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, there's other guy. Yeah, you're like, uh, like they're, the daily on one happens, like the one, like the all Marsala and Nara episode. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my MVP to Marsala for demonstrating what leadership looks like. Boom. Damn. Yeah. Served. Um, do we have any anything we want to plug real quick? Uh, go to Etsy.com, look up um, Two Loopy Ladies, and buy yourself something nice. Crocheted hat, crocheted scarf. If you need a wedding film made, 25films.com. They do great work. Find them great on YouTube. Work. You can see some examples. They, they fucking kill it. That's right. And if you like the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash exosquadgoals, and you can support us for as little as $2 a month. And it helps us just cover like website costs and you know beer and all sorts of stuff. And you'll get free content, not free. You're paying for it. You'll get extra content. And yeah, you know it just uh, makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I would also like to just plug uh, a friend of all of ours uh, has a blog called Eat the Dead. If you are on Reddit, you might have seen she made a face hugger turkey thing. So go there, check her stuff out. She's awesome. So yeah go see that uh anything to recommend i finally watched star trek discovery and i really dig it nice um i finally saw get out and i really liked it nice i saw thor ragnarok and i really dug it i saw it twice actually kind of by accident but it's still awesome it's really fucking good um yeah well guys that's fucking great the uh we did it we did another one way to go um with that said, I would like we talk, to... We, we talked about a cartoon we really liked for a half hour, guys. Crushed it. <laughs> yeah. Really, really dug deep. Yeah, we, uh, we had to use all of, our, all of our collective degrees and life experience <laughs> to break down this half hour cartoon. We, 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 did, we did the thing we do when we hang out anyways and hit record. <laughs> <laughs> my expertise in my own life has paid off. Yeah. <laughs> I've been training for this yeah, moment yeah. since 1994. Blast it up! Watching the squad <laughs> <laughs> on the couch getting Chinese. <laughs> that that actually is a creepily uh, accurate description of of college <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it it, 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 it it speaks to me. Yeah, this is our our preferred after lunch viewing. Um, well, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. His stuff is on YouTube, all over the internet, all over the world. Three three one E Rock. Check it out. It shreds. <laughs> Um, we come out with a new episode every Saturday, Jason Day. So maybe Friday, definitely not Friday. Usually Sunday, maybe Monday, usually Monday, sometimes Saturday. But look out for us. Find us on iTunes. Give us five stars. Write a review. Share it with your friends. Spread the word. If you know people that like podcasts, we talk about or like podcasts, like cartoons. We have a podcast that talks about cartoons. So do that. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter at ExoSquadGoals. Use hashtag ExoSquadGoals, and I've started searching for that again, and we might find it. Uh, email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com. And for exosquadgoals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Tarantino. Are there any heroes in this company? No, no sir. sir. Nailed it. Awesome. <laughs> Way to go, guy. <laughs> Here's the question. So if they have holes drilled in the back of their heads, do they need to replace the... Uh, their fixtures every couple of years as they keep growing. Yeah. Or do they give you like a bigger hole? It's like, you'll grow. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, your, your head stops growing at the age of two or three. <laughs> the, um, the, the or really makes that <laughs> voice not, not as good. <laughs> two or three. Um, <laughs> but, 